The MarTech Podcast is a proud member of the I Hear Everything Podcast Network. Looking to launch or scale your podcast? I Hear Everything delivers podcast production, growth, and monetization solutions that transform your words into profit. Ready to give your brand a voice? Then visit IHearEverything.com. From advertising to software as a service to data. Across all of our programs and clients, we've seen a 55 to 65% open rate. Getting brands authentically integrated into content performs better than TV advertising. Typical lifespan of an article is about 24 to 36 hours. If we're reaching out to the right person with the right message and a clear call to action, then it's just a matter of timing. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast, a Ben J. Shap LLC production. In this podcast, you'll hear the stories of world-class marketers that use technology to drive business results and achieve career success. We'll unearth the real-world experiences of some of the brightest minds in the marketing and technology space so you can learn the tools, tips, and tricks they've learned along the way. Now here's the host of the MarTech Podcast, Benjamin Shapiro. Welcome back to the MarTech Podcast. Today, we're going to discuss one of the hottest topics in digital marketing, content marketing. Joining us is Dave Snyder, who is the CEO of CopyPress, which provides content marketing products and software focused on content ideation, creation, and content promotion. Prior to his role leading his team at CopyPress, Dave held operational and leadership roles spanning across SEO, search, social, and product marketing verticals. Yesterday, Dave told us about his view of the content marketing landscape, and today he's going to share his advice for creating an effective copywriting strategy. Here's the second installment of our interview with Dave Snyder, the CEO of CopyPress. Dave, welcome back to the MarTech Podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. We covered a lot of ground yesterday. So just to recap, we talked about the stages of a content marketing funnel, specifically entertainment, education, and conversion. And we talked a little bit about how to distribute your content and how to evaluate it to make sure that you're getting the most. And we left off talking about what marketers should expect in terms of their time investment and the dollar investment to create a effective content marketing strategy. So let's pick up where we left off. Tell me a little bit more about how you view what people need to know about creating an effective content marketing strategy. Yeah, I think when people are creating their strategy, it needs to start with KPIs. I know people want to tell a story and they want to do all the things that come with beautiful content, content that people really want to enjoy. But you got to start off with what problem are we trying to solve with this content? Are we trying to build content that just informs? Are we trying to build content that sells a product? Are we just trying to get more traffic to the site? That's really where the conversation should begin. So there's a couple different formats of content. I think that what you're talking about is maybe people that haven't done a lot of copywriting and content marketing. They think of, I want these long, beautiful, articulate blog posts And I'm going to write a couple of them and they're going to be incredibly meaningful. And that's great copy. That doesn't necessarily turn into revenue. Yeah. I've worked on content marketing strategies before where we've created multiple different pieces of content and started grouping them together. I know that there are different formats that people use. Talk to me about some of the different formats of copy that people use to create an effective strategy. 
So CopyPress also does things like infographics as well. And that's an interesting one to look at because with infographics, people think, well, I just throw some drawings together and we have something here. And people sometimes like this is a dead medium. But the reality is the more we get on our phones, the more that we're just visual learners, an infographic can actually lead to sales if you're doing something in your space that makes sense, actually visualizing data and helping people break down information. But also, like you said, taking content and breaking it down or building it up. So taking blog posts or informational pieces and putting them in ebook format. I love ebooks because you can use them cross channel, right? You have a great resource to be sending ads to. Email marketing is a huge win. And now with the speed of mobile, you know, we used to do things like PDFs for ebooks, like building them out in WordPress and leaving them online and kind of a hidden link is a better format. People don't have to download the PDF on their phone. They can just go to the actual link. So as you're creating your content, I think there's all kinds of ways to build it up and package it and reutilize it. Yeah. Jordan Cooney, who's the CEO of Searchmetrics Inc., personal friend of mine and was an advisor for the guitar lesson startup that I've referenced a few times during this and the last episode. We worked on a strategy for specifically a content business. And I think we put together three different formats of content, right? We had trying to figure out who would be interested in learning how to play guitar lessons. There was people that are looking for definitions, looking to understand what the different parts of the guitar are. So we built a dictionary and I referenced that in our last episode. So it was the archive of all of the different words, 200 words on each different part of the guitar. Then we also created different themes that were replicatable, like the top 10 jazz guitar songs of all time, the top 10 blues guitar songs of all time, the top 10 rock guitar songs of all time. And then there was our traditional blog posts, which were more, how do you play this song or what's hot today? When you're advising someone on putting their strategies together, how much do you tell them to focus on something that's replicatable? And how much are you focusing on unique pieces of content? We focus a lot on something that can be done over and over again. And I think it depends on which part of the funnel, like the three parts of the funnel we talked about. When you're doing your informational content or an ebook, I think from a business perspective, it makes sense to almost have a templated format for those things, right? The consumer is going to want to kind of see the same concept every place they go. I think within your blog, even having things that are very similar. So that way, once you have an audience, they know what to come to. It's like this podcast, like you're not going to just have an episode all of a sudden on the best metal music. It's going to be about MarTech. I know what I'm coming to. And then within that, you sprinkle originality and creativity. I think what you're talking about is one of the biggest issues with people is they try to make everything creative and original and they just throw things against the wall over and over again without iterating on things to make them better. Yeah, I think that the structure of content is something that people that haven't done a lot of content marketing don't appreciate and that you can use the same format and write about different subjects and that makes creating content easier for the person that's creating it. And it allows them to focus more on picking the right words and describing things and letting the language speak for itself, but it's still structured in the same format. Yeah. One of the biggest differences about CopyPress than other content platforms is we actually utilize style guides. 
that was something we hit on probably in the first two years of our existence that most people were giving ideas on a granular level. Here's my idea for this piece, but they weren't creating brand guides for the entirety of how you talk about this brand and creating this framework for the creative to work within. And you get much better content when you create that framework. So walk me through a little bit more of your process when someone comes to you that is interested in building a content strategy. What are the processes that you go through with them? You help them create a style guide. What else is there? So taking it all the way back again, I've kind of beat the horse to death with it, but it's over and over. Like my initial call with anyone or talk is what are the KPIs we're trying to hit? And everything we propose from there is going to be based on those KPIs. With how I think content marketers should approach this is from that KPI set, we also send out an intake form with us where people fill out the information. They kind of think what they want to know. And from there, we craft that style guide, letting the writers know what they want. Then we go and match that style guide and what we've learned from the customer, right? This is before you've even ideated a piece of content. And we match them with a creative and an editor, whoever's going to be working on that campaign. And I think the main difference there is most people, when they start a content strategy, they have an idea in mind, right? I want to do this idea or that idea. You're starting in the middle of the process. So as you're creating your process, you're understanding what the customer's goals are, you're building out a style guide, you're figuring out the tone, you're assigning your team, and eventually you get to, okay, here is the ideas for the pieces of copy we need to create. How do you assign costs and on a unit basis? We talked about a couple of different stages of copy. Are there ranges of copy for short, medium, and long form? What's the unit cost? So unit cost is going to be based on the writer that you're using. You know, we have a big sign in Copy Press's office that said, good creatives aren't cheap and cheap creatives aren't good. We've had a customer come to us recently. I want a CPA that also writes. You're going to be paying unit costs for that because that's a very rare human being. So all the units are based on the type of writer, not necessarily the length, but also the complexity of what we're creating. Last year, we had to create a machine learning ebook. So again, the complexity of that piece of content necessitates having a certain level of writer in play. And that's where all of the unit pricing, when people are talking to writers, that's what they should keep in mind. You know, again, if you're just creating that catalog copy or e-commerce descriptions, you may only be willing to write one amount or the dictionary that you brought up. But if you're creating a machine learning ebook, that's where the scale starts to move in terms of what you're going to have to pay a creative. I understand what you're saying, that there's a range of expertise in terms of copywriters. And there's also a different amount of work depending on how sophisticated and long the content is. Help me put some numbers around the various ranges. If you're doing a long form piece of content that is with someone who is an expert, what is the upper end of a range that marketers can expect to pay for a piece of content? It's going to depend on the person, but I would say up to 40 cents a word. Again, let's take that machine learning piece. Yeah. Master's level, educated, US-based, you're paying 40 cents a word. Correct. And then for standard copywriting, for just the writing, I think you're looking at least 10 cents a word for a really good copywriter. Copypress specifically with our unit pricing, we also do editing and QA. But when you're talking to just a copywriter, one of the things that I have found to be helpful for people that are going to work with them is how long does it take you to write a 2000 word piece of copy? 
and then figure out what your hourly rate would be for that piece and kind of break it out from there. That's a good way to work that equation. So if it's like, hey, this is going to be a pretty in-depth piece of content, 2000 words, and I need a lot of research, but I only want to pay a penny a word. So that person's going to make $20. It's just not going to happen. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So that's the equation to kind of work off if you're working with freelance creatives. I think that would help people understand it better. That I think is the hardest part for marketers to understand the copy creation industry where you can pay $4,000 right at 40 cents a word for a 10,000 word article. You're having a master's level educated person create a 10,000 word article. That's an ebook. Yep. People might pay $4,000 for a machine learning ebook if that is the educational stage of the funnel that gets people to buy a $200,000 product. Right. Sure. On the flip side, if you're selling online guitar lessons, you probably don't need someone that qualified and you can get away with having somebody who's producing content for 10 cents a word that's doing 200 words. And now you're looking at a couple of bucks an article. So there's obviously a huge range in terms of what content can cost, but there's also different purposes for how you can apply it. Yes. And I think that's why the KPIs are so important to early on set and then figure out, okay, well, if this is our KPI and this is how much revenue it's going to drive, what is our budget for this thing? And then if this is our budget, what ideas do we put into this? Again, the 40 cents word thing doesn't work if you're doing e-commerce descriptions across 10,000 products. It's completely unscalable for anyone. It does if your products are a million bucks. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> if you're selling Ferraris. Right. But like you said, you build out a $4,000 ebook and you sell just one subscription for something on a B2B scale that's a $200,000 contract. It makes total sense. Absolutely. So... Tell me a little bit more about CopyPress, the services that you provide. Obviously, you're helping people figure out what their strategy is. You're helping them create the content. You're also doing some distribution. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah. So CopyPress is a content marketplace. Similar to other marketplaces, we have software that we pull creatives into. And then they're assigned work from us and customers interface that way. That's where the similarities fall off. We are a fully managed service. So we actually do all the strategy pieces up front. We manage the customer one-on-one. Also, what's very different about us, like we talked about the style guide, but when you come to us, we don't just do the writing. We do editing, QA. There's like four people in our organization that touch every piece of content before it gets back to you to check it against your style guide. So we're kind of a bolt-on service where you're like, all right, I need content marketing, but I don't want to manage it. And then we also don't just do copy. We've taken the same process and applied it to digital media. So interactive media, infographics, illustrations. And we've also applied it to content syndication, where we actually syndicate the content through publishers. Talk to me about what you mean by syndicate the content through publishers. So going back to talking about infographics, infographics are a really interesting way to interact with publishers specifically. Publishers have a need to constantly put content out. So it used to be people would pitch guest posts and they still do. I I mean, you probably get a thousand of them a day. I get a ton of them. Never. (laughs) Everybody knows I'm a terrible writer. That's why I do podcasts. (laughs) But infographics are something that publishers, if they're high quality, will be interested in. And so we have a network of 10,000 publishers that we know are interested in content. And so we'll send offers to them like, hey, we have an exclusive piece of content for you. Or if it's fully disclosed content, hey, we have a piece of content we want you to put up with a payment, fully disclosed, right? Like an advertorial type of piece of content. 
you know, people are really, because I've worked so much in SEO, people are scared of that advertorial content because they think it's paid linking. But on a great site, if the content is highly engaging, that's going to drive real traffic. And if that content originally lives on your site, people are then going to link back to the original source. So it's good for SEO. It's good for traditional traffic. It's good for social media. So there's a lot of value in just syndicating content out there. The last thing I want to ask you is you have a new product that's out there, the keyword juicer. Tell me a little bit about what the keyword juicer is. Yeah. So this is a piece of machine learning that we built actually to work on a client campaign. And then we started going farther with it. The problem we had, we worked with a customer in the legal space and they wanted to create a learning center where they went really in depth into a topic and create like 4,000 pieces of content. So the keyword process for that, that they wanted to go through was like, well, get this list of keywords and start finding valuable ones. But what you start to see is that a lot of terms are similar to each other Mm -hmm. and you don't know how similar they are or they aren't to each other, right? The human eye cannot process how Google would process this information. As an example, so the term SEO is going to rank relatively the same results as the phrase, what is SEO? Mm -hmm. And the same list of results as uh, search engine optimization. So you wouldn't create three unique pieces of content for that. You would create one unique piece of content that focuses on all three. Mm -hmm. So what we did was we created this machine learning that pulls in all of the keywords that you would want to focus on from data gives you all the volumes. Then we pull in all the results from Google for those keywords and we use machine learning to compare them. And then we pull them into buckets based on bucketing levels that you select and basically allows us to see, okay, this bucket, let's say term SEO has 250 keywords that fall into this bucket and its total volume is worth a hundred thousand. What's the ROI if we grab 1% of that traffic on a cost per click basis it's a thousand dollars and it's going to cost 500 to create the content that's a win put it in for production before this again people would normally look at things in a linear way so they create a piece of content based on a singular keyword and the opportunity there but that's not how things work right so people were building their content plan for seo based on a very linear approach that left a lot of volume potential on the table Yeah. So essentially what the keyword juicer does is it takes the bucket of keywords that you're potentially going to look at and it groups them together based on which keywords are going to cover a similar topic. So you can create one piece of content to reach multiple different keywords. Correct. And then you're assigning a value to it to make sure that you're going to have an appropriate ROI. Yep. And basically becomes a CFO report in a lot of ways where you got to sell this content strategy to somebody. And it's like, well, we spend 20 grand. We have an expectation of making 40,000 ROI. Let's go. Interesting. So is this meant to be lead generation as a free service or is it part of something that your clients are able to use? Yeah, it's an integrated service within CopyPress. And we've seen it transform campaigns that we've worked on. One in particular this year was a stock strategy company we worked with that came on. And within six months, their traffic went from zero to about 15,000 uniques a month, around $30,000 a month in traffic. Impressive. Any last words in terms of the content strategy or how people can use CopyPress that people that are new to the content space should know? Just high level stuff. Yeah, I think, again, start off KPI focus. If you're a marketer, your job is to make people money. We all want to be artists and be creative. That can come along with it. But you start there. Once you figure that stuff out, then you start getting creative on top of it. 
And then whether you're working with CopyPress or any other firm, you pick the right tools to match the right job. Like you said, you're not going to pay 40 cents a word for the guitar dictionary. You're not going to pay one penny a word for the machine learning ebook. Great advice. Dave, I appreciate you making the time and talking to us about content marketing and about CopyPress. I appreciate it. Okay. That wraps up this episode of the MarTech Podcast. Thanks again to Dave Snyder, the CEO of CopyPress, for joining us. If you'd like to learn more about Dave, you can click on the link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes, or you can send him a tweet at Dave Snyder, D-A-V-E-S-N-Y-D-E-R, or you can visit his company's website, CopyPress, C-O-P-Y-P-R-E-S-S.com. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while you were listening to this podcast, don't worry about it. We've got you covered. Just head over to martechpod.com where we have summaries of all of our episodes and the contact information for all of our guests. If you're a subscriber to the Martech podcast, thank you for being a member of our community. We always want to hear from you. So we created benjshap.com slash question, where you can ask us your marketing questions, which we'll answer live on our show. Of course, you can always reach out on social media. My handle is benjshap, B-E-N-J-S-H-A-P on LinkedIn and on Twitter. And if you haven't subscribed yet and you want a weekly stream of marketing and technology knowledge in your podcast feed, we've got some great episodes lined up. So hit the subscribe button in your podcast app and we'll be back in your feed tomorrow morning. Okay, that's it for today. But until next time, my advice is to just focus on keeping your customers happy. Thanks for listening to the MarTech Podcast, and I hear everything production. Looking to launch or scale a podcast like this one for your brand? Then visit IHearEverything.com.